1: Molly, welcome to the podcast. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, today we're going to talk about something called the G factor. G factor, and it's not what you think it is. Right? It's not that G. Y'all, get your minds out of the gutter right now, <laughs> and then put them right back in. Because <laughs> today we're going to talk about sperm and this and this a G factor. But the G in this case is general intelligence, and that is a uh, variable that is sort of used across. Across the board in terms of uh this fitness quality known as intelligence, because they're thinking that intelligent people tend to do pretty good in life, tend to take care of themselves. Yeah, they think it's a marker of good genetics. Mm -hmm. And
2: uh so they've they've studied they've studied intelligence a lot. No kind of trying to figure out whether or not you can inherit intelligence, whether or not it kinda runs in your bloodline, things like that.
1: Or in your sperm. Or in your sperm. Which is why we're going to talk today a lot about semen. Now, the
2: reason why we are talking about intelligence and semen is because we came across a
1: study entitled, Intelligence and Semen Quality are Positively Correlated. And this is when it just really pays off to host a podcast called Stuff Mom Never Told You, because it was really the highlight of my week, Kristen, to get an email from you saying... Look at the study about intelligence and semen quality. Yeah, because we, we have uh, talked about this guy, Jeffrey Miller.
2: He did a study that we've talked about a couple times about how strippers who are not on birth control and who are also ovulating get more tips than strippers who are not ovulating.
1: So Jeffrey Miller knows his stuff. Okay. And so we were naturally, when you, a title of study, intelligence and semen quality positively correlated, Jeffrey Miller, we are going to get right on that. Yes. So the reason why Jeffrey
2: Miller and his colleagues were interested in looking at intelligence and semen quality, because it might seem like those are two sort of disjointed ideas, or at least kind of disjointed on the body. You know, one's at the top, one's
1: more in the middle. Well, and also, I mean, you think of that old expression, like he's just thinking with his penis. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a marker of saying, oh, you know. He's he's not not thinking thinking, at all. But apparently here we've got two disparate things linked. Yeah, and so so
2: Miller and his colleagues are, are trying to get at cognitive correlates to positive health outcomes because there have been studies about how more intelligent people tend to be healthier they obviously don't smoke as much they tend to drink less they tend to eat better and live longer all of this kind of stuff so they're wondering if there's if there are any biological underpinnings
1: to that right i mean is it is itel- intelligence basically passed down because mm-hmm. these people are the most fit evolutionarily i mean that that's sort of how evolution works you think that the best primed people to live the longest will pass on their genes Are they doing that via sperm? Yeah, and this also gets into kind of the
2: nature versus nurture question. And I like this. This this comes up a lot. Um, Miller describes all of this as a matrix. Like, Mm -hmm. what is this human matrix
1: of intelligence versus health? Right. So the way they did this study, and uh, we read quite a few studies on this, and, you know, you can, I guess, kind of make quibbles with how this study went. Mm -hmm. You know, there are different I don't think researchers have quite found the perfect way to study semen yet. Yeah, apparently, you know, (laughs) if you need to research something, semen research harder than it might sound. So let me explain how this study worked, because, you know, it's one of those things where you're going to have to kind of, I think, make a a judgment on how you feel about this particular methodology. What they did is they had um, the Vietnam experience study, which was conducted by the CDC, in 1985, that, that was when 4,462 veterans underwent extensive medical and mental examinations. And of those, at the time, 571 had provided semen samples. So what they did was they looked at 425 of those samples. And, uh, what they had was a, a pool of men that were age 31 to 44 of various races, but predominantly white. Um, and they, they kind of knew, you know, a few things about these men because they'd undergone sort of this whole battery of testing. Uh, which allowed them to make exceptions for, you know, environmental factors like Mm -hmm. smoking. Uh, they were able to kind of figure out how long the men had been in Vietnam and what they might have been exposed to. Right. Mental disorders. Right. And so, but they also had intelligence testing for these men. So what they did is they compared the, uh, intelligence battery testing to, uh, three semen measures. Uh, sperm concentration, sperm count, and sperm motility, which is basically, whether your sperm can move in a in a in a forward direction towards a goal is it is it vibrant sperm? Uh, I, I, yeah, sperm motility. Learned a new term myself during yes. this research. And if you score well on these factors, if you've got you know very mobile sperm and you've got a lot of it, then that's what they're going to deem high quality sperm because that's the sperm that's going to get a woman pregnant, mm-hmm. as opposed to more sluggish sperm, fewer sperm in a sample. That's what they're talking about when they say that sperm is quality. Yes. And they found a statistically significant correlation between
2: these highly mobile sperm, a.k.a. high-quality semen, and
1: high intelligence scores. So that allowed them to make the statement that the strongest influence on intelligence differences in adulthood is genetic. Yeah. You know, if you're thinking nature versus nurture, um, score one for for nature. And this idea that, you know, the people who can most effectively pass on their seed and get a woman pregnant are the people who are intelligent, have lived longer, who make good health choices. I mean, mm-hmm. not every smart person makes good health choices. Sure. But, you know, they were able, like we said, to exempt those factors, people who had abused alcohol or cigarettes or drugs. And what they were left with was the people who had chosen to make really good decisions regarding their health. And they had really good sperm. And so, I mean, like, you know it's not an accident that we all say we want a smart guy it's because it seems that he's going to give us better babies
2: and the th- the tone in the in the study too when you when you read it is that the researchers were almost skeptical of their own findings mm-hmm. saying you know making the connection between Smarts and semen seems like a pretty kind of tenuous uh, connection to draw. And so they even went back and looked even closer at this because they said, okay, we've got this correlation, but what on earth could be going on in the body? How could, how could sperm and your neurons and your brain somehow be connected? There has to be some kind of, you know, connecting factor in the body. So they went back and published an article addendum called Why is t- Intelligence Correlated with Semen Quality, to address all of this. And they found some similar biochemical pathways between neuron development and sperm function.
1: Yeah, this is just fascinating to read. And I, I'm i probably going to oversimplify it, and I'm sorry for that, but we'll put it up on our, our blog. But essentially, neurons and sperm are very similar. Yes. Um, for example, they both have high concentrations of polyunsaturated fatty acid. PUFAs. PUFAs relative to other body tissues. And the, these um, fatty acids are so important in neurodevelopment function and maintaining all those neurons in the brain. Um, it's a mark of all land mammals, including humans. So uh, they knew it was essential to the brain. And then regarding semen, the difference between uh, an immature germ cell and a mature spermatozoa. mm mm-hmm. Guess what it is? Polyunsaturated fatty acids. PUFAs. PUFAs, during sperm development, are just crucial to developing a good sperm.
2: And here's the thing. A mutation that um, negatively affects the PUFAs and therefore the sperm will also negatively affect neuron development. So there we go. You get the low-quality sperm, you get the lower-quality neurons, and
1: vice versa. And then in this article addendum, they provide, you know, two or three more examples of ways in which the brain and semen use the same bodily functions, the same ingredients. Uh, You know, it's just the same things that go into good brain function go into good semen development. And it was, I've never read anything that made that connection like that before. I mean, it it kind of does sort of make you think to oversimplify it dramatically, that expression that I mentioned earlier about thinking with, with your penis has some sort of biological basis.
2: And, and this also is not to say that men of lower intelligence are rendered infertile.
1: No, I mean they they're really just more looking at this subset of men who do have high IQ scores and looking mm-hmm. at their sperm. Like you said, yeah, it's not the opposite does not prove true yet. But once we we found this pair of studies and then all of a sudden we had this
2: research domino effect take place and we would like to invite you along for for this little this little journey that we took okay because where are we right now we're at semen and intelligence okay but semen
1: high quality semen also correlated to looks and maybe this sounds like maybe it sounds obvious because yeah. i mean when you when you watch these shows or movies about women going to like a, a sperm donor or looking mm-hmm. for a sper- sperm donor obviously i want someone who's handsome intelligent yeah etc. But the fact of the matter is, is that when we were looking at these studies, they were all dated within the last, if not year or so, mm-hmm. the last five years. So this is a fairly new research of study to the point that one of the literature literature reviews we were reading basically gave the smackdown to some of these methodologies and was like, we need a lot more studies on semen. Right. Because a lot of times when researchers need to study semen, where do they go? They go to fertility
2: clinics. Mm-hmm. And so you you start off right there. It might not be the most um, representative Population sample, because a lot of times this is, um, semen coming from men who might have had fertility issues in the past. But going back to this, um, handsomeness correlation, um, there was a study from the University of Valencia in Spain, and they found a correlation between, uh, faster sperm, those very, the, what was it, Molly, the sperm motility, yes. excellent sperm motility, and, faces men with faces most attractive to women like they basically had women come in check out pictures of men rate the ones they found most attractive and then kind of took the most attractive ones checked out their sperm lo and behold they got some good swimmers right But this was an interesting aspect of these findings too. While they have a lot of good swimmers, there was no relationship between how handsome the men were and the concentration of sperm. So you might have like, you know, like 10 really great swimmers in there, but it's not necessarily like (laughs) jam-packed.
1: Their semen's not necessarily jam-packed with sperm. <laughs> not like the intelligent guys, because that's, I mean, in yeah. that first study we were talking about, those men could meet all, meet all of those qualifications yeah. in terms of quantity and motility. So brains, in a way, winning
2: out over beauty. But then, the research starts to snowball because there was kind of a counter study to this saying, I'm not so sure that semen quality and men's attractiveness are really that correlated. But this took place in Australia, this was surveying Australian men as opposed to the Spanish men who were surveyed
1: in the in the first study. So, based on these two studies, we found we have sort of an interesting competition going on between Spanish men and Australian men mm-hmm. because uh, the Australian men didn't have that, despite being as handsome as so the Spanish were handsome, man. handsome, yes. <laughs> two <laughs> sets <laughs> of very handsome men. Yeah, we're not dissing either either country's no, men. take no offense. But your sperm is different. Yeah. But again, like we said, you've got to look at the methodology because people are not quite convinced we've got the best way to collect sperm yet.
2: And when you continue researching sperm quality, all of these studies on sperm quality, there are other factors obviously, that go into whether or not you know semen is chock full of highly mobile sperm or not so much. For instance, there's been research done saying that once men hit around the age of 20, their sperm count starts to diminish a little bit. Some think that antioxidants have an impact, like the more antioxidant-rich diet men have, then the richer their semen is. Uh, All of these different factors going into
1: it. back to this first day we were talking about with intelligence um, the one with the VA men uh, they were told to abstain from ejaculating for several days mm-hmm. and you know they have no way of knowing whether the men actually did that but there was some sort of hypothesis that if these men truly were intelligent that they would have had the ability to follow instructions and not do that but I mean obviously the uh, amount of time between your last ejaculation affects how much sperm is in your semen. Exactly. There are all these
2: different variables, which is probably why you
1: mentioned that literature review that we found
2: analyzing all these different sperm studies saying, oh my gosh, we need to go back and we need to find a better way to study semen, essentially.
1: And it's kind of funny because for for all these thousands of years, semen has kept the world turning Italy. and kept the human species here in We're just now kind of getting to the bottom of it. And the thing about it is, Molly, the last podcast we recorded
2: involved so many studies looking at every different angle of women and ovulation and how that affects us. I mean, there are just journals Mm -hmm. devoted to that egg dropping that fallopian tube and the craziness that happens afterward. Semen? It's just now starting to step into the spotlight.
1: Really, it is. And, uh, you know, I think it'll be an interesting research field, I guess, to keep an eye on. That sounds weird to say. Human specialist. (laughs) Jeffrey Miller, man, he's breaking new ground. I know. This has been Jeffrey Miller week on the podcast. I hope Jeffrey Miller hears this podcast. And I hope we explained your study right. So (laughs) if you do hear this, but, um, you know, it's like I said, it it does seem odd that there in one way, it does seem odd that there are studies about this because, you know, women who have gone to clinics looking for a sperm donor, do look for these factors. But, and, you know, obviously if you ask a woman what she wants, she probably says someone who I find attractive and who I find intelligent. Sure. there, you know, there's a reason for it. Even though it might seem it's more aesthetic and about companionship, it might actually just be because we know that those people can give us we're really good children. We're looking for that—the um, best matrix. Going back to that mm. fitness factor, uh,
2: that that different researchers are kind of trying to unravel and see what all goes into it. So maybe, you know, maybe intelligence and semen—maybe that's a—that's an interesting starting point. So we would like to hear what you all think about this idea of intelligence and and semen quality. And all of the other correlates, because again, I think a lot of these researchers kind of make these claims, but also a little with a little hesitation, mm-hmm. because it does seem like a pretty pretty huge conclusion to draw. So, let us know your thoughts, Mom at HowStuffWorks.com com, or post it up on our Facebook page.
1: All right, I've got a listener email from someone who did not want to be named, and I'm just gonna summarize her email since there are some distinguishing factors in there, but basically it's about one of our older podcasts about sororities, and we were talking about hazing and all the different forms that hazing can take, and this particular listener lived through an experience where she was hazed pretty badly, and uh, as a result, quit the sorority and disaffiliated, and... Uh, became re-acquainted with the sorority because she was still upset about what was going on, was worried about girls who might be getting expelled or would be in serious, you know, physical danger. And so she went through the process of testifying against her sorority. And, uh, long story short, just wanted to tell our listeners about a website called, uh, www.stophazing.org because, uh, she found it very helpful in terms of getting help and getting the word out about hazing and trying to bring an end to it. So stophazing.org.
2: All right. And for some more uh, kind of public awareness um, emails. We got one from Jennifer in response to our episode on rape kits. And Jennifer has been um, working with people over the last six years, working with people who have experienced rape and sexual violence as a medical advocate, hotline worker and a counselor at a rape crisis center. And she just had a few more things to uh, throw out there in terms of what to do if you are raped or sexually assaulted. And she says calling, um, The Rain hotline, which is 1-800-656-HOPE, will automatically direct a caller to the closest rape rape crisis hotline in her area code, his or her area code, I should say. Um, She also says, if you've changed your clothes since an assault, please place them in a paper, not plastic bag when you bring them into the hospital. I can't remember the science behind it, but it keeps any potential evidence fresher, if you will. She says, if you're still wearing the clothes you were assaulted in, try to find someone who can bring you a new outfit. You might want to hand over what you were wearing for evidence and it can take a while to get it back. She says, bring a friend if you can to the hospital and ER visits can take a very, very long time. And this is her last tip that she put in bold. She says, it is never, ever too late to talk about and heal from rape and sexual violence. Even if it's been decades, there's someone who's willing to listen and care. Please call and ask for support. Contrary to what many people fear, asking for help is a sign of courage and strength, not weakness or instability. So thank you so much, Jennifer, for the good advice. Um, again, our email is momstuff at howstuffworks.com. You can check us out. Leave a comment on Facebook as well. Follow us on Twitter. And, of course, we always have our old blog, Stuff I've Never Told You, at
0: howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Want more How stuff works? Check out our blogs on the howstuffworks.com homepage.
2: Sumo Play.